This episode of the Unbuild It podcast is brought to you by Huber Engineered Woods. When we uh, when we talk about Huber Engineered Woods, you know we say they make Advantech, we say they make uh, Zip System, and, you know they have uh, liquid flash and subfloor glue and tape. And I think that most of our listeners are fairly familiar with their product lines. They make really high quality stuff that makes our job easier. But I also wanted to let you know that they have a couple of new products on the market that they just announced at IBSX uh, for 2021. They have Advantech X Factor uh, and they have a new uh, vapor permeable tape. Uh, and I think that those things are very important because uh, they go to show what Huber Engineer Woods is really about. They're innovating and they're problem solving before even builders like myself have asked for those things. That process of innovation has kept them at the top of the game, at the top of the pile, and that process of innovation has caused... Uh, builders like myself who are focused on durability and energy efficiency and really doing things the right way the first time to believe in them as a company and to use their products. Uh, We've been using uh, their original Advantech formula since uh, the late 90s as a company and we've been using Zip System since uh, 2013. So I think that that proves to you my belief in the company. I hope that you'll look into Huber Engineered Woods. uh, And thanks for sponsoring the podcast. Let's talk construction management software and what makes a software good. First, I'd say the ability to tackle the tasks that I needed to do. But more importantly, the ability for my team to comprehend the software, my clients to comprehend the software, and everybody involved to actually want to use that software or that interface. BuildBook could be that software for you. BuildBook is simple to learn and use. It allows for constant communication between you, your team members, and your clients. It doesn't waste time with unneeded features, and you won't have to send your team across country to learn how to operate it efficiently. At the end of the day, BuildBook should reduce your stress and your team's stress as well. BuildBook is an all-in-one construction software for today's builders. Whether you're a one-person operation or a large building crew, BuildBook has plans to fit your budget. They don't have any of those nagging sales calls or tricky upsells or hidden fees. You can sign up for a 10-day free trial with BuildBook so that they can teach you and show you what what the value is of their product. You should head over to buildbook.co to get started. Don't forget to mention that you heard it from us, the Unbuilded Podcast. That's buildbook.co. Thank you, Buildbook, for your sponsorship. Welcome to the Unbuilded Podcast. I'm Jake Bruton. Today I'm joined with my co-host, Steve Basic. Hello, hello, hello. And uh, one of my favorite people in our industry that I just randomly met. I, I already day. said hello. All right, sorry. How do you know I wasn't talking to Peter? <laughs> Pete's not here. That was your chance to Pete, say Pete's, Pete's not, not here. here, man. <laughs> uh, who I'm speaking about is Clayton DeCorn. Clayton is the editor of JLC. And uh, oh, wait, is that still your job title, Clayton? 
That's still my job title. Yes. Okay. Thanks. I'm thanks, just Jake. just checking. Uh, welcome. Well, thank thanks you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, um, yes, my job title is still it's chief editor of the JLC group. Okay. Because there we go. It, I knew it wasn't exactly editor right. of JLC anymore. Right. It's because I have sort of sort of oversight over professional deck builder and tools of the trade and remodeling magazine and pro sales. And what I mean sort of is that I have such a great team. Um, Andy Warmer really handles all of the pro deck builders things. Um, together now we share tools of the trade because we lost the esteemed editors in the, in the past that made that title so great. Chris Ermides and, um, Mark. Mark, yes. Uh, Clement, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Having a middle-aged moment here. Um, and then on the, the pro sales and, and remodeling side, the, the help of Vince Salandro. So some great, great people working with me. And I just have to fill in their, you know, HR reports and things like that. So I get to so take think- all the credit. I think you guys can already get a sense of part of the reason that I like Clayton. He's uh, very modest and uh, very kind at the same time, uh, which have a tendency to go together. But thank you again for being on the podcast. Let's uh, let's start for the listeners that don't know you or don't know JLC, which I can't imagine is very many. Can you give us the 10 minutes or less, who is Clayton? How did he wind up at JLC? And what is your, what is your history hey, like? Hey, Jake, for, for all the listeners that might not be closely related to the industry, JLC is the Journal of Light Construction. Huh. Correct. National publication dealing with light construction and remodeling. Yeah, and so to pick up right on that, Steve, you, you gave me a perfect segue because I, I've always thought that the Journal of Light Construction is a really funky name. It, uh, it started out as the tagline to another magazine called New England Builder that started in, what, 1983, I believe. And I used to read that as a, as a carpenter living up in Burlington, Vermont. Um, I went out on my own as a trim car- carpenter and remodeling contractor, and in 1988, we started to have a little recession um, and I was used to having work lined up a year in advance and suddenly didn't know what my next job was in February about the time my second daughter was about to be born and so I answered an ad in the back of New England Builder for an assistant editor and I, a part-time job and I thought okay well here's something I could do to fill in my time as I'm twiddling my th- thumbs waiting for, for the next job to come along. And uh, I did that for about six months, and then they offered me a full-time job, and I I never looked back, um, partly because we were... So the reason I was hired was to make the shift from a New England builder, obviously a regional publication, to a national title, and, and the... the publisher at the time, Mike Wrights, who was a contractor himself in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont and started this on his kitchen table as, as just a way of contractors talking to contractors, you know, a need, need for sort of peer 
forum uh, community um, are asking questions of our peers. And of course, we're all used to that now with Facebook groups and Instagram and and that sort of thing. But back in 1983, there was there was no such thing. So he started New England Builder, and, uh, and back back then, Clayton Mike Gurton was like in his mid fifties, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Mike Gurton at the time. I didn't meet Mike Gurton until the nineties, and and met him because one of the things that made it so exciting to be at JLC was we started JLC Live um, first as a conference called the the Construction Business and Technology Conference. That. That one rolls off your tongue there, really yeah, easily. This is great naming yeah, history so here. Great naming history, right? Um, but then uh, that did uh, somebody in the organization, Craig Savage, uh, came up, I think, with the title of JLC Live, and that's partly because he and I pioneered this idea of creating live demonstration events on the show floor, which. Most building shows at the time just had the expo, and you walk from booth to booth with not a lot of, not a lot of live, not a lot of happening uh, in terms of hands-on education. Um, so that that was, uh, I loved JLC Live, and and part of what I loved about it was all the young contractors who were coming to the show, um, who we didn't meet otherwise, right? We JLC, the subscriber list was mostly a bunch of old hippie carpenters. <laughs> I'm saying that jokingly and lovingly. And as an old hippie carpenter and, too. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, and also the trade schools would come with their students who would follow the instructor around like a little school of fish and talking to those kids and showing them kind of demonstrating face-to-face, like they're used to being sort of marginalized in the trade programs in their in their high school uh, trade programs, and suddenly here's a place, JLC Live, that, that where they're front and center. Um, so I ended up leaving JLC to uh, get a degree in education because I thought I wanted to transform vocational education. And while I was in school, the internet happened. <laughs> um, we were still on dial-up and, and that sort of thing, but the Internet started to get really robust, and it was obviously where education was going to happen in, in the future, so I sort of shifted my focus of my master's degree on that. And then afterwards, worked for the New York Times Learning Network for a little while before Craig Savage came back into my life and offered me a job working for Building Media, and I worked for his team for a lot of years, mostly doing online video-based training for code ins- uh, a lot of code inspectors. California Energy Commission was a big client, and so we tried to make Title 24 understandable to the code officials because nobody would say anything about what the true compliance rate was in California, but the suggestion was that it was pretty low, and that was because Title 24 at that time, the residential side had a 950-page compliance manual. And on the commercial side, it was closer to 1,500 pages. And now, to be fair, CEC has done an amazing job of of 
boiling that down and making it comprehensible to both the contractor and the building official. But at the time, it was pretty clear that if the code officer doesn't understand the code, they're not going to enforce it. And if they're not going to enforce it, the contractor is not going to do it. So anyway, that's what I did for a lot of years before um, the congressional sequester of 2012 shut down all the state contracts. And at that time, it was CEC and the Texas Department of Insurance. And we finally had landed a contractor contract with NYSERDA, the New England State Energy and Research Development Authority. Um, but that got canceled or, or put on pause because all the governors were not sure uh, about their funding from the federal government. So they they press pause, and I was left twiddling my thumbs until I called Sal Alfano, who hopefully is known to a lot of people here, a great friend and a, a, a true mentor. And he uh, said, yeah, come on back, and, and put me in place for as the executive editor for about six months. And then he dove out of there to take on another job. <laughs> that he felt he could do for a few years and make his retirement a lot easier because he was making a lot more money working for a family-owned publishing entity as opposed to an Mm equity-based entity. So that's what he did, and I ended up, at that time, editor of JLC. So was we that get less caught than 10 up. Minutes? <laughs> <laughs> we get caught up in like uh, you know life happens while while you're not planning for it sort of thing. And I was oh, listening to you tell the story, and you're like, oh yeah, I called Sal, and it's like that's that's all it was was you called Sal. But then you know what is this? Ten years later, we're sitting here talking about your time at JLC. Like it's it's bizarre to me, and I and I just had a weird, I just had that weird thought while we were talking. Sorry. No, it's a, it's a very valid thought. I think about, about it all the time, um, especially guiding um, younger people into the trades. I, I advocate for the trades enormously, but in, in a lot of ways it was a very um, happenstance decision for me. It was because it's what I could do, and it was growing up in a family. My, my father did a lot of contracting, a lot of odd jobs, um, and he was the the son of a, a big builder, a big California builder, a, a community builder, and more of a de- developer, not a hands-on guy at all. But my, my dad was, and he was the black sheep of the family, and hauled his family out to uh, the wilds of New Mexico and started a homestead. And that's what I grew up on, without electricity or running water. And Where in New Mexico? A little town called El Rito north of Santa Fe in Rio Reba County. There's nothing up there. <laughs> it's a it's beautiful country. It's, it's in the Rocky country. Mountains and it's <laughs> close to 9,000 feet above sea level. So here's a funny thing. For 12 years I used to take my family in vacation in Vaughn, New Mexico. Oh yeah. Right, population of I don't know maybe 20. Yeah, Vaughn is a very interesting place. Cowboy country. Cowboy country. Yeah, that's why we went down there to work on a ranch. I think that's what their Board of Tourism sign says. <laughs> Former vacation place of Stephen Basic Architects. Well, and, and Billy the Kid was uh, jailed not far from there. 
It's Billy the Kid country, too. Yeah. So is it possible to grow up uh, where you grew up, Clayton, with uh, your parents and not wind up some version of a hippie? It, you know, we were talking about decisions. You know, my, my father, yeah, no, it, it's impossible. <laughs> Although, I, you know, I, I, I steered clear of all the hallucinogenics, you know, mostly because of observing people having a really bad time with that. So not necessarily my parents, but, you know, just in the community at large, the hippie community at large, it's like, nope, I'm not going to do that. So <laughs> so are we saying hippie light? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those weird, like, conservative hippies, I guess you'd call it. You know, I'm very... <laughs> okay. It, I mean, there's. It's funny that uh, we put it. We put ourselves into boxes, but the boxes right. can be fun sometimes too. That oh, that it's enormous can, fun. You got to poke fun at yourself. That you can't take yourself too seriously. So, I mean, I think it's pretty hard to grow up where I grew up uh, and have a father that's a farmer and not wind up being a farmer. You know, it's it's the same same sort of idea, just a different place. Right. Uh so then this time around, you've been with JLC for. Nine years, eleven years, somewhere in there. Well, since yeah, two two thousand thirteen, July two thousand thirteen. Okay. So we're, we're <laughs> rounding uh, on about what is that? Eight years now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you are also in charge of the newsletter that I get every week too, right? Well, I have to give more credit uh, to Andy for for doing that. He he take he handles the day to day of the newsletter. Um, okay, but I I get to have last word on on gotcha. the order and selection, and uh, I very rarely change anything that, that he does. And, and Andy's a fantastic to, guy. Yeah, I've worked with Andy too. Andy, we're not don't don't think we're di- we're dissing Andy. It's so much of a team effort, you know, because we we meet once a week on on a on a call and and talk about the lineup for the print magazine and for the newsletter that week and for any other projects we might have going. Um, so we, uh, it's a great team effort. I can't, I can't emphasize enough what, what a great group of fellow, yeah. fellow ex contractors turned editors. So that's the reason that I brought up the newsletter again is it is uh, one of my favorite online sources for information. And I say that because a lot of the online sources that I use, I seek out specific types of information in those resources. And the fact that I get a curated email that has some thought behind it leads me down paths that I wouldn't, uh, I, I didn't necessarily know that I needed to be paying closer attention to. Uh, you know, I exist where if I see something from Mike Gurton, I stop and read it. I stop and listen to it. But beyond Mike, don't, don't tell Steve. I don't even read everything that Steve writes. <laughs> uh, just seeing if he's paying attention. He's not paying attention. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's 
I don't know. It's the it's the same as the you know NPR news story that you didn't know that was going to be interesting. You you stumble upon something, but I'm not stumbling upon it. I'm I'm signed up for the newsletter, and I, I'm not stumbling upon it. But every time I open it every Sunday, it is stumbling upon it. I do discover something that I didn't know uh, to be looking for. I guess so. That's a thank you. In other oh. words, and I'll tell Andy next time I see him too. Yeah. Well, but I, I think part of our conversation today was going to be about the internet and how we find information on the internet and where you see both of our industries going. Uh, I like your insight to to the future most of the time, so I thought we would pick your brain on that. So, where are we where are we headed? Where are you headed? Where are we headed? It's a good question. I, I do feel like we are very much at an inflection point in the uh, in the information age, right? It's it's there's no question that everything is online, and we certainly see that at JLC. We track really closely, like even how r- readers are, are are reading us, and the majority is now um, on mobile and. And that was not true five years ago. You know, the majority, I guess it's the, it's pretty close now between mobile and desktop. Um, wow. But, uh, yeah, the, um, mobile is just constantly up, up, up. And that's, it's, that's where we live is on our phones now. And that's how we consume our information. Um, I mean, it, so... For the magazine, I still like a paper copy in my hand, Mm -hmm. and I don't know why. I just now realized that, like, I read all my news through through the iPhone app for the news, and I have major news sources plugged into there. But for some reason, when it comes to industry publication, maybe it's the fact that I like a thing. I like the object, and I like the shelf full of magazines that are in, in order i like the uh, thing now there's something to quote well <laughs> I like you know what thing. i mean i i like the object uh like it's the, the same reason that i buy the book instead of checking it out from the library because i want to have right. the book after i read it sort of thing well you put it on your shelf it makes <clears throat> you feel smart well they're mm-hmm. in a stack on the floor technically but yes <laughs> if you have to send it I, back to the library it leaves an empty bookshelf people think you're stupid so, I well, certainly I don't have, think I'm fooling anybody. I certainly get screen fatigue, um, partly because I look at a screen all day long for for my job, and whether it's the phone or the a laptop, um, I've it's not very restful um, to always be consuming information digitally. So I, I get I, client I, fatigue. Yeah. I get architect fatigue too. Architect since fatigue, we're bringing yeah. it up. Yeah, that's funny. You <laughs> but I guess nothing yet, there, buddy. <laughs> I also See, like the uh, architect. You're not. You're not. I, I say, shouldn't say you're not a real architect. You defy. No, I think you could say that. <laughs> no, but Steve is like. A, I'll take that as a compliment. Be, beyond architect, in a way, um, you are. You defy the uh, the stereotypes, and unfortunately, the stereotype is very. Very common. Yeah, I got a question like, for you. Uh, freshly showered 
or concerned with hygiene, those kinds of stereotypes about architects, Clayton? Yeah, is that funny one? glasses. Okay. No, but I, <laughs> my bow tie. How many berets do you own, The overemphasis on design uh, over functionality. To me, to me, that's a stereotype that still exists in the in the design community, and. Well, it's an art form, right? You have to be an artist. You couldn't possibly be grounded in reality and still be an artist. Well, that's not true. Leonardo da Vinci was an artist. I know, but that's not the way people view. His understanding of mechanics was unheard of in the day. Yeah. Right. So, But, Clayton, get back to them. Let's just get back to a foundation here and, and talk about print for a second. Do you find it as a scary time for print or exciting time? Meaning, like, you know, is there is there changes that are going to come about that makes it really exciting to migrate from there, or is it scary times that? Well, I have to. I'll, I will admit that a JLC is just a different animal that defies all the. Um, conventional thinking in in my mind. Um, I certainly would not invest in print right now. Um, but the scary time, I think, was 10 years ago. And, and JLC has pers- persisted in print um, without, without, quite frankly, a, a, a whole lot of Investment, in other words, the company that owns JLC has rightly put their focus on the you know growing the digital side and and made that transition right around the time that I was coming on board as editors when we were, and that you have to understand is for the publishing industry is really really late, and the only reason it was so late is that print was really viable in the construction industry mm-hmm. and the parent company was very vertically aligned in every segment of the construction industry from architect builder con- concrete construction um masonry design um you know just pool and I mean, spa does that mean that yes. like your readership is got they just favor print over well i just think it was a a longer uh, time i yeah i think that i mean i most... i still do I, I like getting magazines and looking at the pretty pictures and the captions and all of I, that i stuff. do think that the building industry as a whole um there's they're slower to adopt change maybe and i don't mean that in a bad way i actually i actually think that sort of conservative streak of being cautious and um is is part of what makes building so interesting to me um there are still yeah we're all worried we're going to get sued yeah it's all about risk <laughs> it really is you know well, it's like one it's of the riskiest industries it- out there and so to be cautious and to not jump into the, you know, the next fad. And and you have to understand a lot of publishing is all about, you know, I mean, it's epitomized by like People Magazine and TMZ and, you know, I mean, all of that shifted 20 years ago yeah. To, yeah. to online, whereas, whereas yeah, but so people... I think people the building read, industry, I, I think the building industry 
you know, for all of us, clients, projects, interfacing with, you know, manufacturers, uh, material suppliers, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff, like your day can just be so mixed up in stuff that it's the building industry needs something to look back on that's pretty steady state, right? And I think that's why they resist change is that every day is you're dealing with fires, forest fires, right? You're putting out fires and you want to go home and have something that is still there. Reliable. You You don't want your JLC and your media package to all of a sudden be changing now. Now I have to figure out where do I get that, subscribe to that. It's like, I just want the magazine in the mail. I want it on my coffee table. So when I sit down in my chair, kick my feet up, I can read it. And there's a, a security in that, I think. It's funny that you say it like that, too, the the lack of change. Because the first thing that popped into my head was like, yeah, but like when it comes to adopting technology and things like that, my dad, when I was in middle school, was the first person I knew that had a cell phone, and he was a builder. Mm-hmm. But now that I realize it, he was like the last person I knew to get a smartphone. Because having a cell phone was just having better access to a phone. Having a smartphone meant there were other things and other tasks that that tool could do for him, and he wasn't interested in changing things around. Yeah, his life was complicated enough. He didn't need a phone to add to complication. He needed the phone as a solution to complication. And and it is. It's all perception Mm -hmm. because it's. I'm I'm totally guilty of it. Like when my kids are always, you know, I'm trying to figure something out and then they just grab my phone and figure it out for me in like five seconds. But it's not wonderful. It, yeah. it is. It, it is. But, but it's, <laughs> and it's not that I can't do it or that. I just, I don't want the change. I don't, I, I you know, and, and I think the older you get, you want the you world. You sound like Peter, by the way. Well, I'm not that old. Um, But I think the older you get, the more you want the world to slow down for obvious reasons. But Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I guess I, you know, that there's something for, I I can only speak for JLC, that the print is a good foundation. But what's really exciting in the world of information is happening online. And... JLC is a funny, I think, a funny mix in that it defies, it also defies all the thinking about what digital media should be, right? Short, easily digestible bits of information. So what are we doing with this long text-based, you know, sort of thing of uh, uh, articles? This newsletter weekly that would take me an hour to get through? Yeah, well, the, and, and, and the other lots thing of that, ugly pictures, you know, that, you know, not, not a lot of carpenters on site. Took. <laughs> the other but, thing that's JLC is invaluable with is the, the archival information. Well, the that's catalog. just it. It's, I mean, being able to go back and say, I know there's this article on, you know, handrails or something. And it's like, I, I have to go find it. I mean, me personally, having authored a number of articles, it's really good when people, you know, they text me or email me and they ask a question about something and I can say, hey, I could just go on JLC live, get the, their, not JLC, but JLC online and grab it and then do a, a, a copy and paste the URL and send it to them and say, here, just go read the article. You know, 
because it's the information is there. Exactly. So. I, I do think that is the primary value of JLC in, in this day and age. And that is a function of, of a digital medium, right? The fact that it's searchable and you can go find. And there's 35 plus years of builders talking to builders. So it's the by builder for builder format that I think makes JLC valuable. Now we have that in spades on Instagram right now, but Instagram or Facebook groups where where there's a, a fantastic forum, right? JLC had a wonderful forum for years and years that kind of led the industry in in this kind of dynamic peer. Um, communications it's just a really old deprecated format so we retired it because it 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 was eclipsed by things like instagram facebook and ig the the problem and here's the the idea that i promised you jake of um the coder who figures out how to make instagram searchable is the one who's going to be as rich as Jeff Bezos and put every other <laughs> uh, form of media out of um, out of business. Because if you could search, if you could go back and find all those conversations, those wonderful moments, we we vaguely remember Steve said this and that Jake said this and you know all the other. But amazing- does Instagram save those? I mean. I mean, they're there. Would, I mean, they're there on your channel. I mean, you you go. How no, many posts? Go how many posts have you done, Steve? It's at yeah. the top of your list. Too but, many. But how am I going to find which one by just skimming through a grid? Of yeah, the I mean, I have a problem. I, I'll be sitting at a client and be like, "Oh, I have that picture. I remember posting exactly. it a few months ago, and exactly. it takes me five minutes to find my own damn photo." But there's a wealth of information there. Um, we just can't get to it. And, and that's probably the one, one thing that is keeping JLC most in the game is that we have a searchable format. And that was the wonderful thing about the JLC forums until they sort of got eclipsed They're, by the, the trolls. And that was, Those forums are still up, though, right, Clayton? They are still They're, up. Is commenting the, turned off? Yeah, they're just not active, so okay. they're sort of in read-only mode. But you can still there's a, still a wealth of, and that's why we did it is because the value in the forums, and there's still some of the the you know if you're searching JLC online, you know whatever the topic, uh, yeah. lumber prices or Advantech or whatever you want, it's like chances are. A, a forum discussion is going to come up highest in the search. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I mean, some of the, the more contemporary forums that exist now, I get really frustrated with, you know, I'll go on there and there's 285 people and, you know, all talking about something, building technology mm-hmm. related or, or whatever. But it, it seems to become kind of a soapbox like, hey, this is my, this is my 15 seconds. And so people get up there and start, I mean, I, I sat in one a couple of weeks ago where like, I wanted to crawl through the screen and just choke about five people um, <laughs> because of what they were saying and, and what, and it's like, I don't know. I, I couldn't have disagreed more with a few of them on where they were going with some technologies and stuff. 
but it's like it's their 15 minutes and so we all had to sit through it but well and they then they pile on whoever they think is right well that everybody that, agrees and, and doesn't stops adding things to the conversation you have 250 too. people there's chances are there's 25 or 30 people there that don't know any better and they're taking what this person is saying for like the truth and yeah. walking away going, oh, well, I heard, you know, Johnny say this and, you know, or Tommy or whoever. And, and it's like, no, you don't, you don't want to like cancel this from your mind, this whole, whole forum. So it's with information, it's a good thing at how accessible it is. But man, you That's really, true. you really have to develop a sense of how to weed, weed your uh, mental garden. How's that? I know Jake likes like it when that. I come up with these things. I like the weed your mental garden. I mean that, and <laughs> we we all need to be editor uh, edited, right? We we all need to sort of have the the uh, the wisdom to put something down and then come back and look at it and say, well, is that right? And how does that square with this other piece of information that? But I've that's just what's so gotten. valuable about your your archives is that you guys already weeded the garden by picking the right people to author yep. that article. Yep. So I might not agree with Gurton in his 40s, you know, in the late 70s when he uh, wrote that article. <laughs> but uh, but it, it, it isn't that it's wrong. It's just I just disagree and probably wouldn't do it that way. But there is certainly some enlightenment to every one of those articles in that there is truth to it and they believe that's the right way to do it. And the same with articles that I've written or Jake has written, right? We believe our stuff to be right, but I'm sure there's people out there saying, Oh, I would never do that that way. That's fine. You don't have to, this is my well, way of doing it. And the, the barrier of entry for sorting the, the wheat from the chaff to use a, a Peter oh, God, quote, uh, Hey, you brought up gardening. Uh, it's weeding the mental garden. The, okay. The the longer you are in the industry, the more informed you are, the easier it is. But it's not the people that have been in the industry for 30 years that are the ones looking for the information through Instagram or Facebook. Mm -hmm. So it becomes that much more challenging, I think, for the industry that, yeah, you can be, uh, you know, Tim with Awesome Framers. I'm pretty sure he's not going to put up anything that leads people down the wrong, wrong path. Uh, and that shows in the number of followers that he has. There are also some people that I will not bring up. But, names but in the same vein, he probably frames followers. things in the same vein. He probably does some framing tips and techniques that there's probably other well-known. Well, yeah. There's stuff that, that could be challenged that say, yeah, I just don't do it that way. I always do my layout this way or that way. Yeah, or, Sure. But there's also people online that have fifty to eighty thousand followers that either aren't saying anything of use to most people or are preaching down the wrong path, and that's a really difficult thing to handle, you know. And and I I think I think all I'm saying is like, man, Instagram is awesome, and I love Instagram, and I'm glad that I'm part of it. Uh, trust but verify what you read on Instagram. <laughs> Try to try to get the information a second place before you just adopt. Absolutely. That's a good I I know I learned to be you know, part of Instagram 
is that it's a very positive community, which I really like. Um, Facebook became very snarky, and I feel primarily because you can post other people's stuff really easily, yep. and you can. It's not your thought, so I can criticize what you put up. Right on and Instagram, be, I'm criticizing you. Right, because I it's easier to put your own stuff up, and in. That's a wonderful thing because you have a lot of people who are very excited about what they're doing, snapping pictures of their work and posting it every day. Uh, I love that enthusiasm. I think it's, that's what's energizing the trades because it's, it's a lot of pride in, in craftsmanship and pride in the, the work, pride in the lifestyle. And all of that is, we need more of that. We need that in spades in this industry, um, especially to, to attract new young people into it to show them how exciting it can be. Um, but at the same time, I've, I've learned I have to be really careful what I like, you know, what I, what I put mm-hmm. my little heart on, you know, because there's a lot of bad work that gets photographed and put up with with pride. <laughs> well, and, and I that just comes from this. I think that comes from a very genuine place, which is that most builders want to do the right thing. They just yep. don't always know how. Yep. And I think that that, uh, I hadn't really thought about it before the, the pride aspect of what we put up, you know, when I put stuff up, I am excited to share it. <laughs> I want other people to see it and I'm happy about it. Man, can funny. you believe that we're friends, Clayton? Can, I, can you believe that I'm friends with him? Oh, I can. <laughs> that, but like You're that like sense brothers. of <laughs> that sense of pride that I have, I see that in other people's stuff, and I get motivated by it. Yes. And that I don't believe that that ever came across from any builder that I talked to until ten years ago. I never talked to anybody that was like gung-ho check this out oh you got to see what we did here like and it it just and i don't know if the internet made us more willing to share or if it's a generational thing and i just talk to a lot more builders that are way less uh grumpy old man reserved than my father's generation of builder Mm -hmm. maybe that's all it is is that it's a generational thing because i certainly feel like the people that are in the generation below me are way more enthusiastic about it if they are invested in it than I am. So I don't know. I I would think that that's part of it. I I think it's also just that we never before in the, in the building industry had a, a large, a sense of a large community where we actually belong to a whole lot of like minded you know, fellow travelers, so to speak. It was like your own lumberyard gang, right? Yeah, it's yeah, your exactly. local HBA. Yeah, or your local HBA. And I, I do think that kind of camaraderie would exist. It certainly existed on a really good crew, right? You'd have that, and you, you'd have that enthusiasm and, and stuff. But here it's just magnified out to a large community. And, and you can select, you know, because you can unfollow you know, the people who are making snarky comments about your stuff and just like, okay, I'm just going to shut you down because I don't have to listen to that. And I think that's important that I fight but, back. Well, you can <laughs> fight back too, but sometimes that only goes so far because if yeah. somebody's really out there, Steve takes it pretty far fight, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever, whenever we're on, uh, 
build show and people are commenting on my video, I'll get a, a, a text message from our general manager that also edits our podcast. And he'll say, it looks like your dad's defending you again. And it's Steve in the comments section putting putting on blast everybody that I didn't look look at and I didn't bother to read. And I'm just like, oh, I, I think it's more that Steve waits for this to happen so that he can participate in that. It's a, it's a nice exercise for him. It's sharpening the knife. Yes. Regularly. Pretty much. Just sitting so. there at the store. The comment section can be killer, though. I uh, We posted a video about uh, water heater at my house and I got a text message from my wife in the middle of the day wanting to know if the people were right and that she needed to be concerned with the way that the water heater was installed. And I was just like, I I was, I literally said, if you don't stop reading the comments, I'm going to block you from my account. Like you will (laughs) not be able to see this stuff. Do not listen to those people. Everything's been inspected. Everything is above board. Everything is correct. It's all personal opinion. Uh, you know the comments on uh, on YouTube is is really you have to have a thick brutal. skin. It's brutal because there's a lot of people wanting to kind of assert themselves. Um, or you fight as, back. Bigger bat theory. Yeah, maybe I don't I know just that ignore that, it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that that's really going to change. I mean, trolls oh, no. trolls are out there to 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 work there. They're yeah. dark, nefarious. But um, you know what's funny? What's interesting is a lot of those programs. Their success is based on comments and, you know, it, it, how involved that post gets, right? So if you want to bash it, I'm going to bash it back in the hope that you bash it, come right back over the top because I'm going to come back. And then now we have this where we have 20 comments. So YouTube looks at it like, wow, people are really interested in this video. <laughs> Instead of two people are in their basement. Screaming at the Screaming computer. at each other, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, there is that theory of information. You know, you don't, you don't, who was it? I think it was H.L. Mencken that said you don't measure it by good and bad. You just measure it by inches, you know. Like, in, if people are, even the negative comments are instructive, or can be if they're genuine. Yeah. The problem is on the internet, they're not always genuine. And that's, that's, that's what I mean by a troll. Oh yeah. The ones that get just, me are the people that say, boy, that's just a really stupid idea. It's like, well, don't say that. Thanks. Tell me what's Thanks the right idea. Yeah. That's not something. helpful at all. Right. Like that, that's a stupid idea is, and that's when I come back and say, oh, hey, genius, great comment. How about adding something to that next time so we can actually get something out of it, you know? That's a. I think uh, my favorite all-time troll comment was I posted a picture of a house that we had built, and one of the comments was, "This place looks like it smells bad." <laughs> <laughs> I laughed for two or three days because I was like, "I'm not sure if there's a worse insult that the photo makes it look like it smells bad," <laughs> and I like I I sat on that for a week. Without commenting back. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm not even going to, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> it's still there, I believe. I don't think I ever deleted it. But I was just like, man, that somebody knows how to hurt people. <laughs> it wasn't one of Steve's houses, by the way. No, that's all right. I don't care. <laughs> this, this photo makes the house look like it smells bad. Uh, so where, what is the, I mean, Outside of Instagram and Facebook being searchable, searchable, 
what uh, what does the future of your industry look like? Do you want to predict? I don't know if I'm of my industry, meaning publishing in general, or yeah, sorry, um, not construction. I consider us to be in the same industry in a, in a strange right. way. Yeah, I mean, I definitely um, I have a hard time. You know, I'm not really in the in my mind, I'm not in the publishing world. I'm in the construction world. And uh-huh. it's just a lifetime of, of thinking that way. I I couldn't go off and be the editor of a food magazine or a science magazine. I like to think I could sometimes, and I probably could in one way. I just wouldn't be as invested in in it the way I am with, with our industry. Um, and... Uh, I mean, I I think JLC is in a. If I if I were predict, I I feel like all the things we've been sort of skirting around uh, make me very feel very comfortable about JLC's future, and just that we do sort of hold down the fort on. Um, it's sort of like a backstop uh, of information to all the. Um, social media which is exciting and dynamic and fraught with with problems as we've been talking about and it's nice to to have this sort of backstop so i i love the fact that all of my favorite people my favorite contributors including both of you but there's just there's a whole lot of them because we've always been about buy builder for builder and there's an endless stream of excited, engaged, and knowledgeable uh, people in our industry who I can continue to give voice to on on JLC, but in that long format, thoughtful, considered way. And that that will will become part of the archive and that that archive continues to be valuable both as a as a piece of history, um, but also as as something dynamic. for the here and now. So I, uh, I've been thinking a lot. So this is more of my old hippiness. I've been thinking a lot about Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance a lot. And, and the idea of it, of dynamic quality, you know, which is the way I interpret it is dynamic quality is in, in the moment, right? It's like you look at it and you, it's not a, there is no such thing as as quality with a capital Q, right? It's only quality in the moment. And, and JLC will continue to serve the builders in the moment who are looking for information right now by being, by being partly the memory of what is quality and allowing them to look forward to, to uh, a better future, better buildings, and a, and a better industry. Something, something like that. Um, so it's a little, a little abstract there, but I, I do feel very solid with, uh, with 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 what JLC is doing. Do we need to change it up? Yeah, we we constantly need to be looking because we, as an industry, as a construction industry, I do think there's. There have been a lot of things that have changed um, that are in, in the last five years. There's been more change in the industry than there has been in the last 15 years, you know, the, or the previous 15 mm-hmm. years. Um, 
where I do feel like building science is becoming more aligned with um, with codes. I hope that continues. I heard a rumor that uh, that may not continue, and that worries me because why I feel like the air tightness standards um, of 2012 um, coming down to three ACH 50 for the majority of the country um, definitely begins to align with, with, with sound building practices of how our, our buildings actually work. Um, I've always they stepped said that, that one back already too, by the way. Well, that's what I'm, that's the rumor I heard. And that, and that really concerns me because that's, that's going to, you know, already we're at a play and I, I have a feeling, I don't know why, that is. Um, I don't know what's going on in the deliberations. Because the HBA is a large lobbying body. That's my well, guess. Well, is it that? Or, I mean, partly because one of my big criticisms have always been the ventilation standard. I'm not saying that it's wrong, um, but it's not understood. It's not well understood. And You're talking about 62.2? 62.2, exactly. Okay. And, um, I mean... It's slightly different in the IRC than it is in, in, in the ASHRAE 622 specifically. Um, in other words, that they've boiled it down into a prescriptive table that you can follow. But it's based on, on the requirements of 622 at, a, at a, and an airflow rate of, what, the number of occupants plus one at 7.5. 7.5, yeah. Um. And then it, and an additional 0. 0.03 per square foot. And that's a uh, so 2013 ASHRAE 62.2. And I, I think as a minimum, that's probably really good, but that's really confusing to a lot of people. And I think the IRC does a pretty good job of, of making that, ta- you know, turning that into yeah, a but table. It's for- arguable the IRC is pretty confusing. I mean, the IRC it's, itself the is book, right? confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, but get over it out already. My point is that that if it's not well understood, and especially it goes back to the, the old what I was saying about the California Energy Commission Title in Title Twenty Four. If if the building inspectors don't understand it, they're not going to enforce it. And what worries me is that for the since two thousand twelve, we've mostly been building right and not ventilating right, or building tight and not ventilating right. And that, and that's that's a concern, um, and so if that's one of the reasons to back off on the the building tightness standards, that's really mm-hmm. worrisome because it's just going back to a a dark yeah. age. It's going to a really poor indoor air quality when you're when you're relying on on your building shell to filter your air. <laughs> well, um, and they. They upped insulation values and window uh, U factor, and, and but then let go of air sealing, and it's like it really doesn't seem informed. How about it that? seems like a recipe for disaster, doesn't it? I mean, tell me, Steve, um, aren't we going to increase condensation potentials by <laughs> by doing that? Um, well, that's that's why Europe went to triple glazed windows. Right, because they were building houses very tight, but not ventilating them right, and they were getting condensation and, and health problems and mold issues inside the building. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, but hey, guess what? They figured it out, right? You, you know what? You know what's really interesting to me 
that if you sit down at a table with any builder, any architect, designer, they're all the best in town, right? Until it comes to actually doing their job. And then it's like, oh, well, we can't do that. Oh, yeah, that, you know, we don't do that. And it's like, or oh, that just takes time to figure out. It's like, well, that's your job. That's our job, right? So I don't buy the whole, like, we'll make this easier because we don't have ventilation. Well, let's figure that out, right? Because we need to. And and the, the crazy thing is, is for those of us that do build routinely, say, under 1.0, we laugh at 3.0. Yeah. Right. right. It's, right. it's like, and, but yet there's people out there that say, oh my God, like that's the hardest hurdle. It's like, it, I would have to strive to do like 4.0. Like you'd, you'd have to go there and like just cut holes in the wall, you know, <laughs> different places or just leave that, leave that sheathing short one inch because to, to get to those, those types of numbers, but. It's, uh, yeah, our uh, our hers raider sent out an email that was outlining all of the code changes, and he sends it to all the builders that they work with. So it's just a mass email, and it says, and they changed the code from three ACH fifty to five ACH fifty, and then it was exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And I called him yesterday, and I said, "What's up, man? Why, why exclamation point? Why are we celebrating that?" And he goes, "Because it's a major headache for me. I get it that it's not a problem for you guys, but all I do is email back and forth about what trade offs that we can have with the inside the city if you don't meet the three air exchanges per hour right now." He said, "It's going to make my life a hell of a lot easier." I'm not saying it was the right code choice, and I was like, "Okay, well, I I can live with that answer that you were." happy that life was going to get easier but damn i think it uh i think we should just be asking people to be better so there's a good philosophical place to leave today's podcast too be better please be better uh clayton thanks for joining us on the podcast today uh amazing as always i believe we will have you back at some point because we want to have a conversation about the skills gap uh because i think your take on that is fantastic so make notes for yourself so we can have a conversation again soon steve do you have any closing thoughts no clayton thank you very much buddy always a pleasure chatting with thank you, you both Jake, not so it's much a, it's a pleasure <laughs> till, till next time on the podcast i'm jake bruton Steve Basic and Clayton DeCorn, once more, thank you guys. Goodbye, if you goodbye, are, goodbye. Uh, do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you listen. Don't forget to go to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And uh, tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram uh, and uh, subscribe to JLC Online. Yeah, hey, thank Clayton, you, you, you are, you're, you're the man behind JLC Online on Instagram, right? Just so people know. That's correct. Yeah, when I uh, respond, it's almost always me. Okay. So, so if that's somebody tells I, you to piss off, it's probably Clayton. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure Clayton yeah. doesn't do that through the, through at least the work account. <laughs> no. Yeah. But um, for those people that tuned off or clicked off when we said uh, subscribe and uh, leave a five star review, they missed that. So, okay. <laughs> Have a good day. Thanks, Clayton. Thank you. Bye-bye.